podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast on Friday the 15th of April, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you geoblock from, while also keeping your data safe. A Liberty Shield VPN can get you where you need to be and keep you safe from the miscreants. Check out LibertyShield.com and use the code EPL25 to get 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find on Etsy. Use the code EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. Right, folks, first things first, today is the day where we remember the 96 lives lost as a result of the Hillsborough tragedy. We remember them, we remember their families, we remember the ones they left behind, and we remember the travesty that occurred and what took place afterwards. We remember the fight of the family members and the people of Liverpool to clear the names of those who passed away after the scandalous attempts at a cover-up by the UK government and the South Yorkshire Police. Right. Let's start with last night's games in the Europa League. We had some shocks. I think it's fair to say we had some shocks. Barcelona are out, beaten 3-2 at home. By Eintracht Frankfurt. Frankfurt flew into the game. Philippe Kostic scored on four minutes from the penalty spot. Maori scored on 36 to make it two. Kostic again on 67 to make it three. Barca fought back late. Sergio Busquets scored on 91. Evan and Dicke was sent off in the 100th minute, 90 plus 10. And Memphis Depay scored from the penalty spot 30 seconds later. To give Barca a bit of respect on the scoreline, but if you watch the game, there was no real respect in their performance. There was a lot of arrogance. There was an assumption that Eintracht were coming to make up the numbers. Never the case. And what we saw afterwards was laughable. Xavi, Agno and Laporte coming out and crying about the fact that there was 30,000 Eintracht fans in the stands. You guys sold the tickets. And you should have been aware of the fact that people aren't interested in going to watch Barcelona at the moment. So you've got to reconnect with your fan base. That's what needs to happen. Congrats to Eintracht. They are through. And in the semi-final, they will face West Ham United. West Ham beating Leon 3-0 last night. Brilliant performance. Great results. Craig Dawson, Declan Rice. And then Jared Bowen with the third. West Ham through 
to a European semi-final. What a job by David Moyes. What a job by David Moyes. David Moyes was appointed West Ham manager the same month Mikel Arteta was appointed Arsenal manager. West Ham looked like they were going to go down. Arsenal were a European uh, candidate at the, at the time. Moyes kept West Ham up. Arteta finished eight and won the FA Cup. Last season, Arteta finished eight. Moyes finished six and got his team into Europe. This season, Arsenal are fifth, West Ham are sixth. And in a European semi-final. And Moyes has spent a fraction of the money that Arteta has spent. The coaching job, the managerial job that David Moyes has done at West Ham over the past two seasons is exceptional. And this isn't to bag on Arteta, but Moyes has done a better job at West Ham than Arteta has done at Arsenal. And while I see people say, oh, but Arteta's planning for the long term. No, he's not. No, he's not. That wasn't his plan. That was forced on him because of the likes of Saka, Smith Rowe and Martinelli who came through that academy and he had nothing to do with. He was forced to plan long term. That wasn't his initial aim when he took over. Not even slightly. You could tell that by the decisions he made and some of the players that he targeted to bring in. Willian, Thomas Partey, they're not long-term planning. That's short-term thinking. So he had plans to make a short-term burst for the top four and had to take a step back and look again at what he had in front of him with Saka, Smithrow, Martinelli, etc., and plan accordingly from there. In the long term, Arsenal will be better than West Ham. In the short term, West Ham are a better team than Arsenal. They played right now, I'd back West Ham to beat them. Now, West Ham may well have to focus fully on this Europa League semi-final and potential final because they don't have the biggest squad. That could see their league form affected. So they may end up eighth. But it won't matter. If they go and win the Europa League, they'll be a Champions League team next season. And that would be an absolutely incredible result for Moyes and for West Ham, for their fans, who've had to put up with a lot over the years. Their fans have put up with a lot from being forced out of their ground into this London stadium that they never wanted to bad ownership. Now, they obviously have new co-owners now, and we'll see what happens come summer, whether there'll be money for Moyes to spend Champions League or not. But it would be remarkable if West Ham were in next season's Champions League. Standing in their way if they get past Frankfurt will be either RB Leipzig, who went to Bergamo last night and beat Atalanta 2-0. Christopher Nkunku continuing this incredible season that he's having. Two goals, 18, and then on a a penalty in the 87th minute. Or Rangers, who overcame Braga 3-1 last night, 3-2 in aggregate. Tavanier had scored twice in the second minute and a 44th minute penalty to put Rangers ahead in the tie. 
Tormina was sent off on 42 minutes. So Braga played the entire second half with 10 men, fought their way back into it with a David Carmel goal on 83 minutes. Kimar Roof scored on 101 minutes in extra time to give Rangers the advantage. And then Medeiros was sent off on 105 minutes to really put the last nail in the Braga coffin. Rangers at 31 shots last night. 31 shots. That is how dominant they were. The Ibrox crowd was manic last night. Absolutely manic. So West Ham, Frankfurt, Leipzig Rangers. That's what we have in the semifinals. As is the norm, I got my predictions for last night wrong. I expected a lot more from Leon. I shouldn't have. They're mid-table in, in France. I, I was. They've got a lot of talented players. They've got a lot of crap as well. So, you know, the crap rolls to the top in this case. But credit to West Ham. There's no taking away from that performance and that result. I am going to back a West Ham-Leipzig final. Now, West Ham can't overlook Eintracht. Eintracht have beaten Barcelona and Real Betis. They will be confident. They're really well coached. They've had a weird season. Their league campaign has been a mess, but they've been very, very good in Europe. Um, Not overlooking Rangers either. The Ibrox crowd in the first leg will be, in the second leg, will be manic. So it's West Ham and Leipzig to get through are going to have to put together great first leg home performances. But that's the final I think we get, West Ham versus Leipzig. In the Conference League, Marseille defeated PAOK 1-0. So they go through 3-2 on aggregate. So I got that one right. Feyenoord beat Slavia Prague 3-1. Two from Dessers and one from Sinistera, who's a really interesting player. Enough to see them through. Uh, Benjamin Traore scored for Slavia, who had Kasharaba sent off in the last minute. So Feyenoord are through. Feyenoord will play Marseille. Uh, Dimitri Payet, by the way, with another goal last night. That guy is... He should have had a much better career. Um, Feyenoord-Marseille is going to be mental. If you've never seen a Feyenoord game, their home fans are just... They're among the very best in Europe, but they're among the most hostile in Europe as well. Not in a not in a violence type of way, though they, they're more than capable of handling themselves like that as well. But they create, inside the kip, they create this cauldron of noise. That might be the best atmosphere in Europe. It genuinely might be the best atmosphere in Europe. But let me tell you, the velodrome in Marseille, no shrinking violet either. That's going to be a cracker. There's going to be loads of goals because Feyenoord can't defend to save their lives. And Marseille under Sampoli are a very attack-minded team. There's going to be loads of goals. In the other semi-final, Leicester City have progressed. They defeated PSV Eindhoven 2-1 last night. Went behind to a Zahavi goal on 27. James Madison on 77 and Ricardo Pereira on 88. When they looked dead and buried, frankly, they looked dead and buried. With 13 minutes to go, I thought they were done, but credit to them, they fought back, they got the win, and they go through, and they will face Roma 
Roma beat Bodo Glimt 4-0 last night. Tammy Abraham on five. Zaniolo on 23 and 29. 3-0 at halftime. Game was over. And then Zaniolo again wrapped it up on 49 to send Roma through. I fancy a Roma-Marseille final. Now, it wouldn't surprise me if, if it was Leicester. Feyenoord, it would nothing would surprise me at this point. Nothing. But I do think at this point in the competition, you've got to back Mourinho. Too much now on how to win these ties. So I'm going to back a Roma-Marseille final, which I think would be a lot of fun. And I think Mourinho is the man to, to back. With Tammy Abraham and Zaniolo, maybe he has the two best weapons left in the tournament. So... It should be fun. It should be fun. The The Conference League last four will be fun. I think the Europa League last four will be fun. The Champions League last four should be good as well. So we're in a very lucky position where there's a lot of good football to come. And even if they're not your clubs, you'll find games among them to enjoy. You will find games among them to enjoy. City Real will be fun in the Champions League. I'm not sure Liverpool Villarreal will be because Villarreal, well, they're not a lot of fun themselves. They're, they're, they're going to set out to be spoilers. But those two Europa League semi-finals should both be really good. And the two Conference League semi-finals should both be really good. So lots to look forward to. We have massive news in the Premier League today. The most surprising managerial decision of the season in my opinion Sean Dyche has been sacked as Burnley manager Sean Dyche sacked by Burnley Burnley chairman Alan Pace said it was an incredibly difficult decision to part company with Dyche but we feel a change is needed Ian Wohan Steve Stone and goalkeeping coach Billy Mercer have also left the club. And Pace said, firstly, we want to place on record our sincere thanks to Sean and his staff for their achievement at the club over the last 10 years. During this time, Sean has been a credit both on and off the pitch, respected by the players, staff, supporters and wider football community. However, results this season have been disappointing. And while this is incredibly difficult, we have decided to make a change. Um, Gary Neville has weighed in saying, well done to Sean Sean Dyche for one of the great managerial jobs in PL history. He had a bantamweight budget and yet punched hard against the heavyweights for years. Chris Sutton said Burnley are idiotic sacking Sean Dyche. Peter Crouch said great people who did an incredible job for the club, a shame. Jamie Carragher called it a joke and said they should have backed him. And I agree. I agree with Jamie Carragher. They should have backed him. Over the last five years, Burnley's net spend is 21 million. That's 4.2 million a year. And he kept them in the division. Sean Dyche kept Burnley in the Premier League by sheer power of will at times. 
consider that when Sean Dyche took over Burnley, they were a mid-table championship team. He took over at the end of October in the 12-13 season. In 13-14, his first full season in charge, he led them to promotion. They finished second behind Leicester. 93 points, eight clear of Derby in third. Only lost five games all season. A great achievement. Came up, they went straight back down. They finished 19th in the Premier League. They didn't spend much money at all. I think they spent about 11, 12 million the first time they came up. Um, they loaned in Michael Keane. They loaned in Nathaniel Chalaba. The Chalaba thing didn't work. Keane did for them. They went down. At the first time of asking, he led them straight back up. 93 points. Winners of the championship. Ahead of Middlesbrough. Again, they only lost five games. Exactly the same. Um, exactly the same. Points total. And win, draw, loss, breakdown. Played 46, won 26, drew 15, and lost five in both seasons in the championship. Remarkably consistent. Uh, plus 35 goal difference the first time, plus 37 the second time. Scored 72 goals in both seasons. Conceded 37 the first time, 35 the second time. 35 goals conceded in the championship is a hell of an effort. Uh, up into the Premier League then for the 16-17 season. They spent roughly £20 million. Brought in a couple of players on loan. And finished 16th. Six points clear of relegation. Into 17-18. Again, they don't spend a lot of money. Chris Woods is the biggest arrival. They sell Michael Keane to Everton. They end and, and Andre Gray to Watford. They end up with a huge net profit that season. And yet, Dyche gets them seventh. Seventh with Burnley. Ahead of Everton. Ahead of Leicester, who'd not long since won the league. The following season, then, they go into Europe. It doesn't last long. They get knocked out in the playoff round by Olympiacos. But they did beat Aberdeen. They did beat Istanbul Besiktas, who, if I'm not mistaken... I don't think I am. Went on to win the league title the following year in Turkey. Olympiakos win the uh, Greek title most years. So losing to them was not uh, was not some, you know, big upset. Olympiakos won the title the following year and the year after that in Greece. So two teams that were, you know, from good quality leagues who would win the title the next season. That's who Burnley, Burnley played. But in the league that season, they finished 15th, 40 points, well clear of relegation, no real concerns there. All while 
not spending a whole lot of money. They bought Ben Gibson. That one obviously didn't work at all. Um, that was really the only... Matthias Vidra arrived as well. They maybe spent 20 million net that year. Maybe. Into 1920, and they finished 10th. Again, ahead of Everton, who were spending a lot of money. Uh, ahead of Southampton, who'd spent a bit. Newcastle, Crystal Palace, Brighton, West Ham and newly promoted at the time, Aston Villa, who'd spent an absolute fortune. Dyche finished 10th. And again, it was done without massive spending. They brought in Jay Rodriguez. I think he cost him $6 million. Eric Peters was $2 million. Bailey Peacock-Farrell was a million. Josh Brownhill arrived, I think, for $7 million in the January. They sold Tom Heaton that summer. Minimal net spend. Minimal. 10, 12 million. And he got them 10. Following season then, they finish, now they finish 17th, but they were 11 points clear of the relegation spots. They had a really bad start to the season. Uh, first seven games, they took two points. And then they started to find their, you know, their Burnley way. Uh, they had a terrible end to the season, which luckily enough didn't count too badly against them. They'd gotten up to 14, 15 at points, but ended up in 17. They lost seven of their last nine. And it was no surprise because when you saw what happened in the transfer market that year, they brought in Will Norris for 500 grand and Dale Stevens for 500 grand while losing Joe Hart, Jeff Hendrick, Aaron Lennon, players who had been important to them, players who'd made a difference. The previous season, they'd also lost some sort of key squad players, the likes of Peter Crouch, Jonathan Waters, Stephen Ward, Tom Heaton, uh, Stephen DeFour, whose contract they cancelled. They'd let a lot of experienced players go and not really replace them with anybody. Um, not to say those are particularly good players, but they're still players. They're still bodies. This season, he bought Nathan Collins in the summer and Max Cornet. So he spent $25 million. They sold Chris Wood for $27 million and bought Veghorst for 12 so his net spend was 10 million this season. And they're not down. Like, they're not down. They're, they're four points behind Everton. They have an easier run in than Everton. They're not down. There's part of me that thinks I can see the logic. You get someone in, hopefully, you get a new manager bounce and you spring forward and, and you, you know, you get some results moving forward. But I don't know why, if, if that was the plan, you didn't sack him on Monday. After the terrible performance against Norwich, why not sack him on Monday? Why wait till today? Why not have a plan in place? Why not have a replacement lined up? Will there be a replacement before the end of the season? 
Or are they just going to go with a caretaker manager who's their under-23 manager being helped by Ben Mee? It makes no sense to me. If you're going to sack him, sack him on Monday. Don't sack him on Friday before a game. You've got West Ham tomorrow. No, Sunday. Sunday. That's a big game. That's an important game. How, how have you not got somebody in place for that game? After that, they get Southampton at home, winnable game. Wolves at home, they could get something from that. They get Burnley. Uh, no, they get Watford. They get Villa twice. There's games there they can win. But I don't know that they can do it with a caretaker manager. I think you've got to get someone in now. You've got to get a manager in who can make a difference. Now, the likely candidate seems to be Big Sam. Um, he would love nothing more than to manage Burnley. I think he is probably the most Burnley manager you can imagine. But then there's part of me that thinks Dyche deserved to go down with the ship. Like, if, if, you're, if, if he was going to take you down, let him take you down. He was signed long-term as well, so wouldn't you just have rolled it over for next year and backed him to bring you back up, given that in his two full seasons managing your club in the championship, he took you up both times. He deserved better than this. He's the greatest manager in the history of Burnley Football Club. And the fact that he kept them in the Premier League this long with minimal backing and this squad is incredible. Like, let's just go through some of the players that have played games for Burnley Football Club this year. Okay, Nick Pope is excellent and would start for half the teams in the league. Matt Lawton is... Matt Lawton was a good player a couple of years ago. Now he's probably one of the three worst right-backs in the league. Charlie Taylor's a good left-back, and he'd start for a lot of clubs. I don't think Jack Cork, with respect, would start for anyone else in the league, bar maybe Watford, and even at that, I think it's a stretch. Tarkovsky's good. Ben Mee is decent. Johan Berg Goodmanson, always injured. Good player, always injured. Josh Brownhill's a decent player. He probably starts for four or five other clubs, if, he, if even. If even. Uh, Veg Horses is good. Ashley Barnes doesn't start or doesn't get a game at any other Premier League club. Dwight McNeil is quality. Wayne Hennessy is at best the fourth choice keeper at any other club in the league. Connor Roberts, I'm actually surprised how disappointing he's been this season, but I will give him the benefit of the doubt. He missed half the season with an injury. Dale Stevens doesn't get a look in anywhere else in the Premier League. Neither does Aaron Lennon. Westwood is, is good, but only starts for two or three other clubs. Jay Rodriguez, I don't think he starts for any other Premier League team. He's a decent player, though. He'd be in a squad somewhere. Cornet is good. Collins is good. Eric Peters, at this point in his career, would struggle to play in, in, in League One, let alone the Championship. Uh, Will Norris hasn't played. Phil Bardsley, again, League One would be, would be a, a stretch for him at this point. Vidra's a Championship player. Kevin Long's a League One player. And Owen Dodgson's a kid. Um, there's just no quality here outside of a handful of players. Pope, Taylor, Tarkovsky, Veghorst, McNeil, 
and Cornet and Collins is about it in terms of if they go down, those are the club, the, the players that Premier League clubs will want. Outside of them, maybe a team wants Ben Mee as a third or fourth centre-back. Same with Westwood or Brownhill, third or fourth midfield option. But that's it. You know, you look at the centre-back position, one of the most important positions you've got. The starters are fine. Tarkovsky and me, Collins, great. Who's your fourth centre-back? It can't be Kevin Long. It can't be Kevin Long. Your backup left-back cannot be Eric Peters. Your backup midfielders, Jack Cork, like I say, he's okay. I, I, I withdraw my, yeah, I, I actually, do, I don't think he'd start for anyone else in the league. I don't. I think he can do a job. He'd be a squad player at Watford or Norwich. Um, but they're also likely to go down. So you've got him as the backup and, and you've got Dale Stevens, who's just never been a Premier League caliber player. You've got decent starters, good starters out wide, but no depth. No depth behind them. Because like I say, Aaron Lennon, not a Premier League caliber player anymore. And up front, you've got no quality depth. You've got nothing. You, you, you've got a castle made on sand that Dyche has been holding up as long as he can. And if they go down, they won't come back up. They won't come back up. Pope will go. I'd imagine Taylor gets plucked as well. I don't see Veghorst and Cornet stick, sticking around. Collins might because he's so young. McNeil will be gone. And how much of that money? You might get 20 for Pope, 10 for Taylor. I think Ben Mee will stay. You get 15 for Veghorst, 15, 20 for Cornet. It's about 65. Maybe you get 25 for McNeil. That's 90 million. That's 90 million. How much of that actually gets reinvested? Because it won't all get reinvested. Because a bunch of it will go in the owner's pocket and a bunch of it will have to go towards servicing the debt that these new owners have lumbered onto the club. When they took over and they promised new things, exciting things and change, they lied. They lied. They haven't followed through on a single bit of it. And Dyche is the one that pays the penalty for it. Dyche is the one that loses his job. He will be back. There will be Premier League clubs that line up for Sean Dyche. Be under no illusion about that. There will be Premier League clubs that line up for Sean Dyche. It wouldn't surprise me if Hasenhutl leaves Southampton if Dyche ends up there. But I think the one to keep an eye on is Everton. Regardless of what happens, whether they stay up or go down, I can see them making a change this summer. And I think that could be the place for Dyche to go. Now, with their finances, he might not want that job, but that's one I think he gets offered. If it's not a Premier League club, there will 100% be championship clubs 
that will queue up for Sean Dyche. A hundred percent. He will have a job as soon as he wants a job. If he called Everton today and said, I want that job, Frank would be packing his bags and heading on down the road. When you look at the Premier League and you see some of the managers in the league, like he's obviously he's not Pep, he's not Klopp, he's not Conte, he's not uh, Tuchel. He's a better manager than Arteta. He's a better manager than Ranić. He's I would put him on the same level as Moyes, the same level as Bruno Lage. I would have him over Brendan Rodgers. He's a better manager than Vieira. I'd put him on the same level as Potter. He's definitely a better manager than Gerrard. He's better than Frank. Same level as Hassan Hoople. Better than Eddie Howe. Jesse Marsh remains a bit of an unknown. He's, he's definitely better than Frank. He's better than Roy. And he's better than Dean Smith. He's the top 10 manager in the league. He has just been given the worst hand that any manager in the league has been given. He hasn't been backed despite year after year working miracles. So Dice goes and we will wait and see who comes in. But all of my faith in Burnley staying up was based on Dice. I think they go down now. I really don't, unless they bring in Big Sam and he pulls off some sort of ridiculous miracle, I think Burnley will go. Um, the Chelsea takeover has taken another twist. The Ricketts family have pulled out of the running to buy the club due to what they called unusual dynamics around the sales process, which is a rather strange, rather strange term. So, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure. But that means it's now down to Todd Bowley, Martin Broughton, and Stephen Paliuka. Um, Guy has just given me the odds for the next Burnley manager. Sam Allardyce at three to one. Nuno Espirito Santo at 7-1. to one. They don't have the players to play a back. Oh, Collins Tarkovsky. I mean, they, they wouldn't have any depth. They wouldn't have any depth. But you know what? Connor Roberts and Charlie Taylor as wingbacks. McNeil, Cornet, and Veghorst as a front three. They'd have no depth at centre-back because they've only got three good centre-backs. But... That's not bad, actually. It'll be very hard to implement in four days because if they appoint someone Monday, they play again Thursday. Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer eight to one. If they do that, they deserve everything they get. Daniel Farka at ten to one could be an interesting one. Used to working with peanuts to spend, and if they go down, he will be well experienced to bring them back up. Even though I, I think they could be doomed. Uh, Michael Duff, Rafa Benitez, 14 to 1. Rafa taking over, saving them while relegating Everton would be hilarious. Carlos Coburn, 16 to 1. No. Rooney, 16 to 1 won't happen. Pulis, 20 to 1. I don't think so. Michael Carrick, 25 to 1 is the type of silly decision that wouldn't surprise me. Roy Keane, 25 to 1. I don't see. I think. 
I think Sam is the one that will happen, but Nuno and Daniel Farker are probably the most interesting ones that could make sense. Nuno obviously took Wolves up from the championship. They'd need to back Nuno, though. They'd need to be willing to spend a bit of money or at least be aggressive in the loan market. Now, you can be more aggressive in the loan market in the championship. Nuno or Farker would be interesting. It's going to be Sam. It's going to be. It's going to be Sam. It just is. Um, Chelsea, yes. Stephen Paluka, Martin Broughton, and Todd Bowley, all of which are rather large consortiums. Now, the Ricketts family bid was a consortium as well. I, I just think the idea of consortiums buying clubs is doomed. Doomed for failure. There's going to be far too many people trying to make decisions. Now, Bowley obviously leads his group. Martin Broughton leads his. Martin Broughton at least knows, at least knows what it takes to run a football club. Not very well, but he knows what it takes. Uh, Paluka, again, he's, he's had success with the Celtics, but it, it was 14 years ago. Bowley's never been the lead owner. He's not a co-owner. It's LA Dodgers co-owner. He's not a co-owner. He's a minority owner. He's a minority owner of the Dodgers and he's a minority owner of the Lakers. He has no decision-making powers at either. And nobody would look at the Lakers and say they're well-run. Dodgers are well-run, but the Dodgers just spend money like it's going out of fashion. The Dodgers for the last five, six, seven years have basically been what Chelsea were under Roman recklessly spending because they print money they print money the same thing with the lakers they print money they can afford to recklessly spend chelsea can't chelsea don't make that kind of money and won't make that kind of money unless they try and cook the books like our friends in manchester speaking of chelsea cowards i say cowards chelsea have blocked conor gallagher from playing in this weekend's fa cup semi-final so Conor Gallagher is obviously on loan from Chelsea to Crystal Palace. Normally, loans between Premier League clubs include a clause that states that the player, it's actually done by the Premier League now, the player can't play against their parent club in the Premier League. However, there is no such rule for the FA Cup. Chelsea included a clause in his contract saying he couldn't play if they met Chelsea in a cup competition without receiving written permission, as if he needed, you know, permission from his mum to go leave school early or something. And uh, Crystal Palace made an official request, which was turned down. Cowards. That's all I'm going to say. Cowards. Newcastle boss Eddie Howe is not expecting a summer revolution. I don't think there's going to be the big spending that everybody was predicting. I've been saying that since day one. They spent a bunch of money in January to keep them in the division. I don't know that we can necessarily expect them to do what City's owners have done. They might, but I don't know that it's necessarily a given. One to keep an eye on, though. One Palace, Newcastle will be interesting this summer. They need a lot. 
it'll just depend on what they spend. We'll do the gossip, we'll take a break, and then we'll bring in Guy to go through the Premier League and FA Cup games. So, Harry Kane is set to turn down a move to Manchester United this summer and stay at Tottenham with the Old Trafford outfit set to announce Eric Ten Hag as manager. I don't think it would have mattered who they appointed, be it Ten Hag or Pochettino. I think it's very clear that Kane wants to pay for Conte. He's not going to play for a better manager than Antonio Conte. Ten Hag has made it clear to the Manchester United hierarchy that Cristiano Ronaldo will not suit his style of play. A blind person who'd never seen a game of football could have told you that just by listening. Just by listening, they could have told you that. Ten Hag is considering a move for Steven Bergvine. He has been very keen to buy him for Ajax, so that could make sense. The Old Trafford club have been handed a boost with Barcelona's bid for Chelsea's out-of-contract defender Antonio Rudiger having stalled. I'm not really sure how that's a boost for United. I think he'd probably just end up staying at Chelsea. Barcelona sporting director Matteo Alemani, who's awful at this job, by the way, has denied any agreement with Bayern and Poland striker Robert Lewandowski over a summer move. Max Ahrens is a target for United and Arsenal, while Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund are also monitoring him. He's going to go on and have a really, really good career. He's very, very good. Diego Carlos could be a viable option for Newcastle. I think that's who they will sign. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, and I, I rarely am because, you know, I, I just have an incredible amount of wisdom. Uh, he is the same agent as Bruno Gimeres, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, he does. And I said before, keep an eye for certain names to pop up linked to Newcastle this summer. We can rule out Marquinhos. I said this in January. Keep an eye on this. They're trying to get in bed with certain agents to get favourable terms on certain players. Marquinhos is too big, too good, too expensive. They won't be getting him. But Diego Carlos, Matthias Cunha, Roger Ibanez, Danilo from Palmeiras, David Neres, currently exiled with Shakhtar Donetsk, Dodo, the right back at Donetsk, Oscar, formerly of Chelsea, if there's, if he starts talking wanting to come back to the Premier League, watch him be linked with Newcastle. Everton from Benfica, he has been mentioned before. Keep an eye on that one. They're all repped by the same agent. Keep an eye on any of those names coming up for Newcastle in the coming weeks. I guarantee you at least two of them other than Carlos do. I guarantee it. Manchester City have made Aurelien Chouameni their number one target. No, they haven't. Football insider. Get out of here. Uh, Real Madrid are also interested in Chouameni. Croatian midfielder Luka Modric has two offers. One from Juventus, the other from Qatar, if he decides to leave Real Madrid when his contract runs out in the summer. Um, I, Real uh, Juventus need to just cop themselves on and not be going signing older players. It's not what they need to do. Uh, can we also, can we also, can we also put to bed this talk of Luka Modric being the best midfielder born after 1980? Andreas Iniesta is the best midfielder born after 1980. He just is. Andreas Iniesta was a better player than Luka Modric. Modric is great. 
And if you're telling me Modric over Xavi, I can listen to that debate. I will not have any debate of Modric over Iniesta. And I don't even think I'd put up with Modric over Busquets. But, you know, whatever. Um, can we also just stop the nonsense that, can you believe Modric carried this Croatia team to a World Cup final? They played a bad Argentina team, a bad Nigeria team, and I can't even remember who the third team in that group was. I know it wasn't someone good. 2018 World Cup. What was that group? It was Argentina, Nigeria, and Iceland. It's an easy group. It's an easy group. It's the worst Argentina team in a generation. It's an easy group. In the knockout stage round of 16, they played a bad Denmark team and scraped by on penalties. They played a mediocre Russian team in the quarterfinals and scraped by on penalties. They played a mediocre English team in the semifinals and scraped by an extra time. And then they lost to France, the first good team they played. Give up with Modric carried this team. First of all, Rakitic was better through the group stage and the round of 16 than Modric was. Secondly, that team had Brozovic, Perisic, Rebic, Mandzukic, good fullback. The only bad player in the team was Dejan Lovren. It wasn't some collection of scrubs. That was a good team. Modric knitted it together. He didn't carry anything. Didn't carry anything at all. Anyway, stay at Real Madrid or, or go to Qatar. Borussia Dortmund have broken through in their pursuit of Kareem Adiemi of Red Bull Salzburg. Tottenham retain an interest in Latura Martinez. I don't know where he'd play for them. They've got Kane. That's your nine. They've got Kulisevsky. They've got Son. Where's he playing? So, no, nonsense. Leeds have stepped up their interest in Josco Gvardiol, according to Football Insider, who is absolutely full of crap. Villarreal have opened talks but a permanent move. No, they haven't. They've opened talks but a loan move. So you're wrong. Again, Football Insider, you are wrong. Uh, Manchester City are still waiting to hear back on their new contract offers to Riyad Mahrez, Raheem Sterling and Gabriel Jesus. Brentford have spoken to Shakhtar Donetsk about signing Mykolo Matvienko, the left-sided defender, he's decent, and Mikhailo Mudrik, who's a winger, um, this summer. Yeah, branching out then, Brentford, not, not just Danish players. Italian international Andrea Bellotti may well have signed for another club, according to Torino president Urbano uh, Cairo, who uh, should be facing ridicule, I believe, because he, if I'm not mistaken, and again, I really am. Yes, he bought Torino in 2016. Andrea Bellotti in the 16-17 season, I want to say. Yes, scored 28 goals. That summer, they had offers on the table of up to £60 million. And Cairo turned around and said he wanted £100 million. And now you're going to lose him for free. 
and he has never replicated the form he showed in that season. Now, a couple of he's had a couple of good seasons. He's had a couple of injury plagued seasons. Uh, he's played through a bunch of injuries because he's tough as nails. This has not been a good season for him, and you're going to lose him for nothing. Now, he's a good player. I would suggest that Arsenal, in need of two strikers, could do a lot worse than look at him on a free as one of them and then go and spend on somebody else. I would suggest that West Ham, in need of a striker, should look at him on a free. Tottenham, in need of a backup for Kane, you know where I'm going with this, should look at him on a free. He's a good player. He's a good player. Uh, but Urbano Cairo is a, is a buffoon. Uh, we'll take a break then when we come back. We've got FA Cup semi-finals and six Premier League games to preview with Mr. Guy Drinkle. See you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So, we are joined by Mr. Drinkle. How are you, sir? I am good, Dave. I'm here to report Scotty Two Coats is wearing two jumpers instead. What? <laughs> <laughs> One of them's a cardigan, but for this exercise, I'm calling it a jumper. Oh, yes. Why wear one item of clothing? That fella, he probably wears two pairs of boxers, two pairs of socks. Like... He's just, he's wearing his normal clothes and then his going out clothes underneath just in case there's a party or anything that breaks out. Or, or in case there's a drastic change in the temperature. Scotty Two Coats is always, you know, you know he was a Boy Scout. Like there's no chance on this world, this planet, that Scotty Two Coats wasn't a Boy Scout. With that hair... And that approach to life, yeah, Scotty Two Coats, Boy Scout. Absolutely. Um, I believe we have some results from the championship today. Uh, Luton, 1-0 winners over Nottingham Forest. A Kai Naismith goal in the 37th minute from the penalty spot, the difference between the teams. That's a blow for Norwich, but a huge win for Luton, who are now fourth in the table. It means, I believe, that a Fulham... What, you were saying this other guy, a Fulham win this weekend. Yeah, Fulham are promoted. Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Fulham yeah. are up. So, a bit of pressure. I think, I think they're the derby tonight, if I'm not mistaken. I love a good Good Friday championship edition. Games galore. Uh, yeah, derby away tonight for Fulham. Uh, right now, we've got West Brom, Blackpool, Hull 2-0 up over Cardiff uh, in a, a you know a depressing sort of derby. I don't even know what you'd describe that as. Um, Swansea, Barnsley is 0-0. Birmingham beating Coventry 1-0 in the Midlands derby. Reading beating Sheffield United 1-0. Preston and Millwall drawing 1-1. Stoke against Bristol is nil-nil. Bournemouth Borough is nil-nil. And Peterborough Blackburn is nil-nil. Let's go, Borough. We are needing the win today 
to keep the promotion dream alive, although they do have a game in hand on the two teams above them, so that's nice. But we're looking for Chris Wilder uh, back into the Premier League. I had been hoping for Fulham and Forrest automatically and Borough through the playoffs. I may not get that. I may not get that, and that's disappointing to me. Anyway, Guy, we've got Premier League action this weekend, so let's get started. We do indeed. Uh, I believe the first FA Cup is at half three, so we'll do that after the uh, early and, and three o'clock kickoffs. But the first game is Spurs against Brighton. Um, almost similarly to the Arsenal game we discussed last week with Brighton. No, I don't think it's as personal as the Arsenal one, but Brighton seem to always upset Spurs somehow, but Spurs seemingly after their run of win one, lose one, have finally found... Well, finally found the Conte way, the system. I think I, I read a piece about how most of it's down to fitness, but obviously having Conte helps, but fitness levels, and it just seems to have clicked finally. Yeah, yeah, it does. It seems like he's finally found the balance. He's getting more consistency. Um, Benton Kerr has made a massive difference in that midfield. Kulisevsky's obviously given them balance and quality up front. Kane has decided to start playing football again. Youngman's son has found form again. They're getting production from their wing backs. I'm seeing a story here that Tottenham are monitoring Mario Hermoso, who is not nearly good enough. The uh, Athletic or centre-back? Yeah, bang average. Oh, no. Bang average. You can do much better than that. I know he's left-footed, and maybe that's just a lazy bit of journalism by Adrian Kajumba, who I don't that don't know, he writes for the mail, so he's he's could be a made up person. Uh, anyway, this is actually the only game of the Premier League weekend that I'm kind of looking forward to. I think this is the best game. Uh, going into it, Brighton are missing Alzate, Motor, and Duffy, whereas with Tottenham, Tanganga, Doherty, and Skip, all of whom look like they're done for the season. Uh, unless Ollie Skip appears out of nowhere. But Tanganga and Doherty definitely done for the season. These teams only met about a month ago uh, at Brighton, and Spurs beat them fairly comfortably. 2-0 win didn't really reflect how comfortable Spurs were. I am going to go for a repeat of that, and I'm going to pick a 2-0 Spurs victory, and Spurs continuing their charge for uh, the top four. But it would be funny if having derailed Arsenal's top four charge last weekend and given Tottenham the kind of advantage, they then went to Tottenham and beat Tottenham and gave Arsenal a chance again. So we'll keep an eye on that one. But I I do think a Tottenham 2-0 win. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. Uh, You said one to look forward to. I mean, if we just speak plainly, as just Liverpool fans, Man United against Norwich has... A lot of potential to be funny. <laughs> yeah, it, it does. It really does. Because um, they are pathetic. Let's be honest. They are. This is two. This is two teams that are in very different places. I didn't even mean. Equal. I didn't even mean Norwich in the pathetic thing. I meant. No, no. I mean, I know you yeah, mean United, so, yeah. but they are equally equally yeah. as bad, and it's worse for United. It, yeah, it's yeah. worse. This is a team that came into the season. Uh, with their fans telling us they were going to challenge for the title, with the media telling us they were going to challenge for the title, and with me telling people they'll struggle to finish fourth. Um, They are a a mess, front to back, side to side. 
And you'd wonder now with the with the Ten Hag thing sort of looming, will the players just completely give up on Ranić? Will they be more motivated because of Ten Hag? Who knows? Um, we go into this game with neither team in particularly good form. United have won one of the last five. Norwich won last time out. They defeated the mighty Burnley. Um, so Nor- Norwich, the more informed team. Did you see you- the uh, stat comparison between Timo Pukki and Ronaldo? No. It was fantastic. It was like, <laughs> the only thing Ronaldo was beating Pukki on was his wages. <laughs> <laughs> it was like... Uh, 20 grand or 40 grand a week, whatever he was on. It's like 480 grand a week for Ronaldo, which seems low to me. But and then everything else, like key passes, goals, shots, it was all pooky. But yeah, that's something that's not a good look, not yeah. a good look for Cristiano. Cristiano also does lead him in pending lawsuits. Um, but you know, there, there's there's so there's that. Uh, United, a bunch of injuries, bunch of injuries. Um, no Luke Shaw. No McTominay, no Fred, no Greenwood, no Cavani. No uh, Cristiano's back. <laughs> uh, and Rafa Varane might be back. Um, they're hopeful that he can be back. Now, so Ranić said, hopefully he can be back for at least one of the next two games, which means he's definitely not playing against Norwich. And um, he's probably not playing against Liverpool. He's probably going to be back for the Arsenal game. So that's not good. So they're, they're, they're missing... Two starting defenders, their first choice midfield, and um, Pogba and Matic against Norwich. Pogba, yeah, Pogba and Matic against Matthias Norman, who will never stop running. Kenny McLean, who will never stop running. That's I mean, going to be a difficult afternoon. If that's the midfield against Liverpool as well, dearie me. Oh, yeah, that's not good. Dearie that's me. not going to be good at all. Um, Norwich, though, uh, Brandon Williams can't play. Josh Sargent is out. Adam Adey is out, Omabama Deli is out, and Ozan Kabak is out. They're probably not going to play again uh, this season. Actually, they're not going to play again this season. They've all been ruled out for the rest of the season. So that's that's disappointing. That's three good young players that would have been interesting to see. Uh, I'm, I'm going to pick a United win because they're at home. Uh, I have no confidence in them to win, but, you know, it's Norwich. So we'll pick United to win. 3-1 in, in a game that will not be much much of anything really. Probably not very enjoyable for the watching fans. Yeah, it, it'll just be one of them where Ronaldo gets... Well, I said that about the Everton game, to be fair, so maybe not. Um, but yeah. Uh, next up then, we have Southampton maybe. A strong, the corpse of Southampton against Arsenal. Because Southampton have given up on the season, seemingly. And Arsenal's top four hopes, I mean, if they, even if they draw this game, the way Southampton have been playing, that would be a pathetic result. So, yeah, Arsenal have to win this game because Southampton are done, basically. Yeah, Southampton are basically on the beach. Uh, but Brohia's back. Uh, Lianku is a possibility for this one. Shane Long is a doubt and Alex McCarthy is a doubt. <clears throat> for Arsenal, like you say, huge game for them. Off the back of last weekend, this is massive. No Tomiyasu. Uh, Lacazette is sick. For There are private reasons that I can't comment. Does he have COVID? Uh, Kieran Tierney out for the season. And Thomas Partey out. 
because it's Southampton and because they're mental and there's no rhyme or reason to anything they do, I'm going with a prediction to which there's no rhyme or reason and I'm going to predict a 2-2 draw. And then they'll lose to Burnley on Thursday. Yes, exactly. (laughs) They'll draw with Arsenal and then get pumped by Burnley. Big Sam in the building, gravy everywhere. Gammon just been hurled into the crowd. Fans going nuts. Burnley pumped them 3-0. And that'll be Southampton's season in a nutshell. And also, Arsenal's season in a nutshell. But I'm going to go for the draw. Yeah, that just wouldn't really be a good result for Arsenal in any way. Um, last three o'clock kickoff, Watford against Brentford. Every I think every week we see Watford, they have a <clears throat> they have the odd good result, whether it's a draw or whatever, and you think, eh, maybe they're the team who could drag Everton or a river back into it. And I'm thinking the same this weekend, but I, Roy just looks like he should have stayed retired because they're losing games and he's smiling after the game and stuff like that. It just... He just doesn't look bothered. He, he, he really doesn't look bothered. So I, I'd think it's a good opportunity for Watford, but I'm, I'd have to back Brentford everywhere. I have a working theory that Roy doesn't actually know he's managing a football club, that he's just sort of under some sort of trance or heavy medication, and his wife just wanted him out of the house. He's really annoyed he got sacked for 30 years ago by the Pozzo family or whatever it was. He's just back on a mission to destroy. No, I I think the wife decided she'd had enough of him. She poured a load of Valium into him, gives him, makes him, uh, makes him his breakfast, puts Valium into it, brings him his lunch, Valium, evening dinner, Valium. He doesn't know he's actually managing a football club. She drops him off at the trains. Yeah, and picks him up. And he just has a minder that kind of leads him around. I, I don't know that he knows what's going on at the minute. Um, Watford this was a huge week for Watford with Leeds last weekend and Brentford this weekend two winnable games that could have could have given them a real fighting chance of staying up and they were just pathetic against Leeds now Brentford this weekend no Onyeka no De Silva but I think oh no De Silva's back and Pontus Janssen is back which is big for them for Watford, Seralta's a doubt, Kalu's a doubt, Truce de Kong is a doubt, that's a plus. Quadoba is still working his way back. Uh, Chicho Hernandez is out, which is a blow. And Nicholas Kulu is a doubt. I- I'm going to back Brentford to carry on their recent good form. Four wins out of five. And that Brighton defence, that, that Watford defence, rather, it looks primed for Ivan Tony to just have a lot of fun against. I'll go Brighton 2-1. Brentford 2-1. Brentford 2-1. Why can't I say words? Brentford 2-1. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I'd I'd think similar. Uh, Moving on to our first FA Cup semi-final. Man City against Liverpool. We saw it last week. It was a brilliant game of football. How do you feel about this one? I mean, FA Cup, you'd probably have to say it's the third priority for both teams. But Man City coming off a midweek war with Atletico Madrid. Lost to Bruyner and Kyle Walker um, to injury. I'm not sure what the other injuries are. Well, Liverpool, I don't think I've lost anyone touching all the wood in my room. Um, so, yeah, what, what what do you make of this one? Um, 
I think Walker's a bigger loss because I think they don't have anyone to re- replicate his pace and defense. And Cancelo's not as good on the right. No, he's not. And and he, he's just not he's not as strong defensively. And I assume it'll be Nathan Aki that'll come in on the left. So you're changing two defensive spots to fix one. What's happened to Zinchenko? I don't thought he was that bad. I don't know. He just seems to have fallen down the pecking order, mm. which is a bit strange. Um, he's a, he's actually a better midfielder than mm. he is uh, attacker. Um, or sorry, a better midfielder than he is fullback. I, mm. I, I the lack of Walker weakens City hugely in defense. Not because he's a particularly good defender, because he's really really quick, and you're going to need pace to deal with Liverpool. A back four of Canseo, Stones or Diaz, Laporte and Aki is not quick. It's not, it's not slow, but it's not quick. It's not, it's not dealing with Salah, Diaz, Mane, Jota. They've got Bernardo and Gundogan to play as their eights, so mm-hmm. they're, they're fine there. So De Bruyne, while an incredible player, probably their best player, they do have better quality replacements for him. City are coming off a really tough game in midweek. They have those injuries. Liverpool had an easier time, heavily rotated. I can see Pep not throwing this one, but maybe going with a weakened team. Mm. Maybe he plays Aki at centre-back next to Stones, Zinchenko at left-back, Zach Steffen in goal. Maybe Fernandinho starts. Is Diaz I, back? He oh, is, he's on the I bench, think, wasn't he? Yeah. I think he'll hold him out. I don't think he'll play him. Mm. He might, but he might hold him out. I, I, it's it's funny. I could see Pep maybe looking at this and thinking, you know what? We want our focus on the league and the Champions League, <clears throat> and we don't quite have the squad for all three. Let's mm. let's it- take a little bit of a of an approach on this one and maybe rotate it a bit more heavily. Like they've done the domestic treble before. So, I mean, winning the, F- obviously winning the FA Cup would be great for them, but they've done the domestic treble a couple of years ago. So exactly. It, no one cares when city win domestic cups because yeah. the whole club is built around winning the champions league and winning the league title. They'll probably win the league title this year. They're, they're a point ahead, obviously with the seven games left, but, Champions League is very, very difficult for them, and Real Madrid is an, is, is a really tough draw. I, I I could see Pep potentially rotating his team here. The more I think about it, the more I think it'll still be a strong team. Like he's not going to play a bunch of kids, but I could see him making some changes in defense and not being overly put out if they lose this game. Liverpool, I think, will go with a really strong team, because I think they really want this FA Cup. And I think, again, Klopp will know that the league title is not impossible, but unlikely given City are a point ahead and then they have the same number of games left. Yeah. I'm going to go for a 3-1 Liverpool win. Interesting. I mean, just just quickly, I mean, you mentioned a lack of speed there. That screams Diaz for me. To, to exploit yeah. that. I, I think Diaz on the left is the answer if Walker's not there, genuinely. Mm. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, Cantelo's fast, but he's not... Well, he's not Kyle Walker, is he? No. <laughs> no and he's also going to be much further up the field than Walker normally would be as a True. cover defender. True, especially if there's a centre-back at left-back as well. Um, 
but yeah, that it, it's going to be. It should be fun either way. But yeah, especially if it's free one, that'd be nice for us. Uh, but yeah, it'd be big that one. Uh, moving on to Sunday, then Newcastle against Leicester. Don't know why that's on TV. Seems like the most pointless game going, but hey ho. Um, yeah, Leicester got European stuff going on, so might just rest a few people after the midweek game. That's Newcastle's form looking like. Finally got back to winning ways against Wolves, which that was the worst game of football I've ever seen. Um, yeah, what 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 do you make about this one? Should be a decent enough game. Um, we've got. A Leicester team that have are going to have confidence now after overcoming PSV in the in the week in the Conference League. A Newcastle team that could really do with a result. They got a good win last weekend, obviously against Wolves, but they'd lost three in a row. And I don't think Howe will be happy with finishing 15th, even though they should be considering where they were when he took over. I think he'll still be looking at the top half and thinking, like, why not? We're only three points behind. Crystal Palace. So why can't we go and finish in the top half? Mm. I mean, Leeds aren't that far behind them, which is Leeds are only mad. a point behind yeah. them. That's the thing. And and like in, you know, Newcastle spent a lot of money to finish as high up the league as they can. And considering the form of Aston Villa and Southampton, especially, and to well, both so inconsistent. Way. And that's the thing, like you just don't know what team you're gonna get with, with either of them. Now, Leicester this weekend, no Samari, no Vardy, no Ward, no Bertrand, no Ndidi. Um, Ndidi, I think, is done for the season, which is just a massive blow, especially with the European stuff. Newcastle, Trippier's still out, Wilson's still out, Willock should be back, Frazier's a doubt, Hayden and, and Lewis done for the season. Um, this is a tough one. Leicester have obviously turned the league form around a little bit. They've won three of their last five. I think I'll back Leicester. Oh, it's it's in Newcastle, though. Do you know what? I'll go Newcastle to win. I'll go 2-1 Newcastle. It's a, a battle of two managers I'm not overly high on. So, you know, it should be a decent game of football to watch. Defensively, it'll be quite chaotic, I suppose. I'll go 2-1 Newcastle. Yeah, I don't think it'd be too bad to get well unless we get Newcastle against Wolves again. Um, but yeah, m- moving on then, West Ham against, I assume, managerless Burnley for this game. Um, yeah, I suppose the question is, West Ham have about five players, so how many will they rest? Because they've got no depth in defence with uh, Zuma injured and Ogbonna done, obviously. Um could we see a slightly younger West Ham team? I mean, where are they looking? You league wide. I mean, they are sick, so it's just the game played more games, I suppose. But if they win Europa League, they get in the Champions League. So just go all in on the Champions League, really, isn't it? Uh, and, and the Europa League. It's yeah, they could, but then you're putting all your eggs in one basket. And you you risk no European football at all because of you know Wolves still in with a shout United. Um, the possibility that Leicester win the Conference League, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I I do think West Ham need to keep a bit of focus on the league. They've got what have they got? They've got so they got Burnley this weekend, obviously. Then after Burnley, they play Chelsea away. Then Eintracht second leg, first leg, 
then West Ham. Sorry, then West Ham Arsenal, and then they play Eintracht second leg. So Chelsea, Eintracht, Arsenal, Eintracht, and if they get to the final, they have City. I don't see that they can just afford to throw away games. Mm. Because if you get to the final and lose, with that even lose as the well. semi-final, yeah. and, and you don't, you miss out on Europe because you've been messing it. But I don't think Moyes will. I think he'll go as strong as possible. To be fair, I don't think he games. has a choice. because If the youngsters really are... Yeah, that's, that's probably what I should... I, uh, I, I so West Ham is. are missing Zuma. He's got an ankle sprain and Agbana's done for the season. But everybody else is fit. Right. And Burnley are missing Ben Mee, who's now the caretaker part manager or something. What? Eric Peters <laughs> is, is that out. True? Is he part yeah, of- he's, he's part of the management team now. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Oh, and Good Munson is out. Um, West Ham are going to win this game. Look, West Ham are going to win this game. They're too good for Burnley. And Burnley have just sacked the manager and have a bunch of people in charge that shouldn't be in charge. I'm going to go with a 3-0 West Ham win. I think that stadium will be bouncing because the fans are going to be so excited after the trip to Leon. I think they'll want to welcome the players back in style. I think the place will bounce, and I think West Ham will bounce Burnley all the way back up to Lancashire. 3-0 to, um, 3-0 to, to West Ham. I mean, if Burnley win, Ben Mee's going to get the job full-time. So... That'll be interesting as well. But uh, last game, and this is the FA Cup over semi-final, Crystal pa- uh, Chelsea against Crystal Palace to order it properly. Uh, it's been a really good run from Crystal Palace. Um, Chelsea, this is basically their last thing to play for in the season. I mean, they're not going to finish outside the top four by any chance unless they literally lose every game. So, yeah, it, it should be a fun one, but Palace have the weapons to hurt any team. They do. They do. But no Conor Gallagher is big. There's a doubt over Michael Elise. It looks like Tyreek Mitchell might miss out as well. He's going to have a late fitness test. Uh, Will Hughes also a late fitness test. So if they're if they're missing if they're missing Mitchell Elise and Gallagher, that's massive. A big pitch as well. On a huge, big pitch. Mm. Like, Mitchell was going to be really important with, with dealing with Reese James raiding down the right. Do they even, I don't even know who their backup left-back is. Uh, the young Irish kid, uh, Teo Adaramola, I think his surname is. Um, Not a Scooby. West Ham, Lukaku is back in training. Barkley is a doubt. Hudson Odoi is out, Chilwell is out. Christ, he's Barkley still at Chelsea. <laughs> you mentioned Chelsea having nothing left to play for other than this, and I think that is key. Like they're not going to win the league, they're going to finish third. They're out of the Champions League. This is what they've got is the FA Cup. They've been to the last two finals and lost both of them. I I, I think they'll be motivated. Now, look, for Palace, the chance to get to an FA Cup final for the first time for that that group of players is massive, but there is a talent gap between the two teams and I'm going to back the team with more talent. I'm going to back Chelsea to win the game. Uh, Palace will give them a tough go of it, but I'll go 3-1 to to Chelsea. Yeah. 
it's just I think it's just unfortunate for Palace for them injuries at that time. Them injuries and Chelsea been cowardly and not letting Gallagher play. Yeah, and if the, if Chelsea do win the game and if Chelsea do win the FA Cup, we should all put a bit of big asterisk next to it and remind everybody that they wouldn't let Conor Gallagher play. And that'll be the only reason that they'll win it. Should, Forget should what, what happens. In the should final. do what the uh, UEFA does with loans and let them play. Exactly. Well, if the FA Cup allows them to play, it's just that Chelsea put a clause in uh, okay. saying that he couldn't. Um, yeah, that's it. So we leave that. That is all the games. I believe so. Radio, we will leave it there, folks. Enjoy your weekends. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.